in a world that is increasingly conflicted and polarized, stories have the ability to you know, create empathy and connections between different groups of people. Hi, it's Andy here and welcome to another episode of Video Talks where we talk to creators and commissioners and everyone in between about the business of video. If you're here for the first time, please hit subscribe. Really appreciate a subscribe and perhaps a review if you like what you hear. Uh, and we can keep these episodes coming into your feed. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to mention a new section that we're including in the next episode, which is called the One Minute Creator Pitch. And basically what that means is that filmmakers, animators, creators out there can pitch their film uh, that's launching in the coming weeks or months uh, in a one minute section on the podcast episode. So if you're interested, all you need to do is record an audio file of you and perhaps your crew talking about the launch of the film. If you're on set, that's even better because we, we like in situ recordings. And all we ask in return is that you subscribe to the podcast, hopefully in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Leave a review and a rating if possible, and then screenshot the review and rating and DM it to at Video Talks Podcast on Instagram. And then we'll get it into one of the podcast episodes coming up. So moving on to today's episode, this week's interview is with a guy called Lex Johnson, who is an animator uh, who's built his company up over the last few years. It's interesting to hear his journey from dabbling as a 16-year-old in animation and turning that eventually into a business and then basically building his own video company brand. So in this interview, we, we delve into whether there's a formula for a successful business, what it's like to work remotely abroad for a year, why you should upgrade yourself, why taking risks is ultimately a good thing and why you should always be open-minded. So let's get into the interview uh, with Lex Johnson. Ron VT. Hi and welcome to Video Talks. Um, I'm really excited today to introduce my guest, Lex Johnson. Lex is an animator, director and founder of design and animation company Dazzleship. His career has grown from a passion to create and innovate. At 18, he created his first animated TV series for European music channel Channel U. He went on to work in computer game animation. He's created short films and music videos that have been shown at international festivals, and he likes to teach. Lecturing at renowned Swedish motion design school Hyper Island, as well as several London universities. In 2017, he decided to take a step back and work remotely around the world for a year. His company, Dazzleship, has gone from strength to strength, developing a strong identity and client base. Okay, Lex, um, I've given our audience a brief overview of your background. Why don't you give us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? 
Yeah, sure. Great, great intro. So thanks for that, Andy. Uh, yeah. So I've always, always been involved in animation uh, since, you know, the age of 16, uh, sitting in my bedroom, teaching myself Flash, trying to learn different techniques and, you know, basically being a bit of a nerd. At this time, I was also creating a lot of websites and fan sites. So that, you know, that evolved into meeting a music magazine and taking their magazine online and creating an online music magazine at the time, which which had, had quite a lot of success uh, for because it, it hit a wave of when an underground movement became mainstream, which then led to uh, the, well, the TV series you mentioned. And it led to uh, opening the doors to the advertising industry because there, there were a lot of advertisers that wanted to connect in with this youth movement. So it led to a lot of work for people like Adidas, JD Sports, Olympic 2012 Committee, uh, and then around you know around the same time that advertising work was kicking off, uh, was also getting noticed by computer games companies and working on James Bond games. And now I, I feel like Dazzleship is just an extension of that. It's just working with computer games companies or uh, working with fashion companies or technology companies, uh, essentially applying the same ethos, which is connecting brands with audiences in some kind of authentic way. Amazing. Well, you, you, so you've had an entrepreneurial journey the whole way through, it seems. Um, so, Lex, this podcast is called Video Talks. Uh, could you give our audience an insight of how moving image is working for you and your business at the moment? Yeah. So at the moment, we're, we, we've had a good, a good run with working with different, different brands, uh, some startups, such as a company called the Drone Racing League, which started around about 2016, and you know they they just had they were basically a YouTube channel, and their mission was to introduce a new sport to the world. So they needed uh, essentially like branding and a broadcast package, and was it you know needs to work across TV or uh, social media or just anywhere online? It's, it's a big part of their visual identity so yeah and or for instance another example would be a lot of the work we've done for water aids we've created quite a few films for them over the past and they're always about complex narratives around like high you know yeah big political or economic issues but condensing them into a narrative so that's it normally uh, it becomes a kind of 2d character animation stuff that tells particular stories so you can condense really big issues into a into a relatable narrative. Also, over the years, we've done a lot of work, uh, you know, off the back of that music website. There, uh, there was a, a good stint of work back in. It started, yeah, started around 2013 for JD Sports. Kind of before they, you know, had their big success, you know, the, the share price went up. But be, before then, they, they, they'd all be, always been um, quite authentic with youth engagement. You know, kids in schools always had JD Sports bags, but they aligned themselves quite well at the start of around 2013 with certain youth culture movements, uh, especially within music. So we did a lot of video work at the start of that journey and basically convinced them to do more video work just when video was kind of kicking off on the internet. So essentially I'd say the common theme is, you know, everything is motion graphics, everything is animation, but it's not animation for the sake of animation. You know, they're kind of three different examples of where we had used motion or animation for different clients, but they all have very different measures of success and very different outputs. I like to think 
the way we approach promotion is just agnostic, you know. It's about starting with what the client wants and what their mission is and talking to them and then thinking how motion can help them achieve those goals. So in that in that kind of rather eclectic journey that you've had from quite an early age, what were your sort of earliest influences and and what did you imagine that you'd become? I'm, I feel like I've almost kind of achieved what I wanted to be when I uh, was younger in some ways, and that's that uh, I wanted to be a children's book illustrator. Um, so, you know, just doing bits of character animation here and there is kind of like the modern day children's book illustrator. Um, and now we're actually going deeper into that and have started to do creative development for our own intellectual property, which is uh, a large, not all of it, but a large part of it is aimed at kids TV. So hopefully that dream will come true in an even better way, you know, better, better than books. It'll be actually broadcast. But yeah, I was, I was always obsessed by books. I, I spent a lot of time in the library for some reason. Uh, I think my mum, she was a single parent, so she had to find ways to entertain us. And the safest way to entertain us was just leave us in the library until she finished work and then she'd come and pick us up. So yeah, there was just, there was just a world of inspiration there. And when I got older, you know, that's kind of turned more into South Park and then I wanted to make South Park. But yeah, always always around animation. I don't know what it was. It was just the one thing that captivated me. What have been the bumps along the way that that you've learned from? Uh, so many. At a different stage, there's been a there's, there's there's always a hurdle. There's always, sometimes you don't know where the hurdle is, and you have to identify it and then jump over it. But I mean, I guess the commonality between all the hurdles is they were all they were less external and mostly internal. If, if you understand what I mean, you know, it's, you know, you think something's a problem or you think maybe some, some thing or some person is in your way, but ultimately it's, it's you and you need to upgrade yourself or you need to look at the problem differently, or you need to learn something new and realizing that they are my own internal hurdles. If that makes sense. No, it totally does. Yeah. Good advice. Upgrade yourself. I like it. Like Lex 2.0, right? 2.0 for 2020, Lex 2.0. <laughs> um, did you make any, did you feel like you made any mistakes along the way? Like maybe regrets or? Uh, it's hard to say regrets because I've, I've got to a place with so many things whereby, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that a lot of things worked out the way they did because they've led to me to where I am now. And right now I feel very good about, where you know things I've done in the past and what I want to do in the future, I, I just feel incredibly clear. I have quite, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've, in this lockdown period as we're in now, it's been very good mentally to have some extra time to put together a vision and can and contextualize all this previous work and think about how it sits and how because you know I've always been very much like head down and and not really looking behind enough and just just kind of keeping going which can be quite bad and has and and in some ways that's been a hurdle that's that's been detrimental in some ways um talking about during not lock during the lockdown what has been specifically what has, what's kind of turned that corner for you has it been like looking at what you've achieved so far or am i putting words in your mouth well to bring it back to your original point in fact because you know i feel so clear that you know I've, that's a mistake in itself thinking you feel clear but yeah I've, I feel clear on, on the fact that I've all these mistakes have actually been quite powerful in the fact that 
thing a lot of things haven't gone to plan and um it's been good because you know I, f- I feel like negative learning you, you learn more in some ways from from painful or bad experiences uh that you know they're good teachers and i think before i've you know saying you know growing up and thinking i wanted to be a children's book illustrator and th- you know all these kind of things but then actually that goal seemed further away and i went down different paths um and in some ways i've maybe followed people down certain paths i've worked with people i've got along with things that other people thought were the right thing for me to do I've, I've almost not listened to myself i've kind of looked for guidance quite a lot from people who have led me down a path but it hasn't necessarily been my path so now actually realizing that in some ways you know you, you don't necessarily um you don't you don't need uh to follow people you know you can you can have your own intuition your own direction and that's actually better in the long run I think people discover that at different times in their life and really make that realization that actually you've got your own path to deal with. You're not, you're not following someone else's kind of career. Uh, you could never be that other person. Mm. Um, I think it's like quite a powerful wake up call for sure. Oh, completely. Yeah, completely. I think, I think you need to have your own measures for success and in some ways you you know more than you think you do but you kind of your brain tricks you into thinking that you need you're you're lacking something or you need something else but ultimately you don't a lot of the time but not to, it's it's good to ask for help though it is good to ask for help i think it's like when you ask for help you have to be um clear with what exactly you're asking and what you want from that help and that system because it is it is always important to get outside perspectives and feedback and input and mentors and coaches and that kind of thing but it's just i think it's when people uh convince you that you're you haven't got something and they can give it to you i think that's where it's a bit dangerous you know um along those some of those paths was there a kind of a a a point where you could identify that you know like if if you hadn't done a certain thing you might have taken a different route and that could be, you know, staying in a job when really you should be doing your own thing. There was a funny one, I guess, around about 2009 or 2010. Um, so a, a big thing that I, I feel happened to me at the time as, you know, a new freelancer. Um, I, I was in a place where, I, I you know, I, ha- I kind of was doing a lot of different things, but they were quite menial in some ways they were enjoyable, but I was, you know, I was doing like bits of VJing or bits of flyer design or bits of album artwork. And I was trying to get into motion graphics, but I couldn't really see an entry point into it. I was just, I was still just doing bits and pieces, but um, I got an email out the blue from a Hotmail address. So instantly I just thought it was nonsense, you know, and, and it was very vague. It just said something like something along the lines of, um, can you come up to Derby? Uh, we're working on something. I can't really tell you about it, but it's it's Bond related. And that was it. That was that was all the context. And I got this email and I was like, well, I live in Bristol at the moment. Um, I'm fairly busy doing what I'm doing with my flyer design or whatever I was doing. You know, I do this most days. I don't really have time to go to Derby. I've never been to Derby anyway. I, you know, that's a day out of my time. You know, I just thought it was nonsense. So I was like, oh, I'm kind of busy at the moment. I'll I'll get back to you in a few weeks. Uh, and anyway, then I, I did get back to him in a few weeks and I did go to Derby. And 
it was absolutely crazy because I, I was taken to this big games development studio. Um, I was shown around. Uh, I was shown the motion capture studio, which I'd never seen in my life before. And there was a the Daniel Craig's stunt double doing stunts. And they, they were basically explained to me, is like, we're, we're remaking GoldenEye for, I think it's Xbox, but it, I think it was then released on all platforms. But it, we're, we're remaking GoldenEye for the modern day. And to me, I was I was blown away because when I was, um, yeah, however, whatever age I was when the N sixty four version of Goldeneye was released, I was obsessed with that game. I love, I just loved that game so much. I loved the N sixty four. I loved Mario Kart, but Goldeneye I really loved. I loved the multiplayer. I loved everything about it. And then to be standing in Derby, which is quite an unsuspecting place for this to be happening anyway watching them remaking the computer game for the modern day and then for them to then kind of sit me down and be like, look, we want you to move to Derby. We want you to do these contracts for six or seven months or whatever it was. You know, we want you to work on this game. I was, it was mind blowing because I, I, for a start, I hadn't really done that much motion graphics. I had one portfolio piece, which I'd kind of done off my own back. And I, I wasn't really in that world of getting long-term freelance gigs. And uh, yeah, I did. I could have been there two weeks earlier if I had have taken this email seriously. But it was, it just seemed dodgy. It's from a Hotmail account, you know. It wasn't even from an official account. So in some ways, I, I, that timeline could have been very real because I, I could have been quite close-minded. I could have just disregarded that email, and I could have never gone to. So to me, that was a big thing. Amazing. That's like a, that's a brilliant kind of sliding doors moment, really, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, were, they, uh, were they trying to be super stealth with the email? I guess so, yeah, because they couldn't talk about it. They just said Bond-related, and that could mean anything. They didn't say James Bond, they didn't say GoldenEye, they didn't say 007. That's why I just thought it was kind of nonsense. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. I, I was going to say about talk about um, tech for a minute and how influential kind of the, the sort of growth of tech and the innovation of tech has perhaps influenced what you do in the way that you know you've gone what kind of changes have you seen because obviously you started really early didn't you it, it's strange it, you know there's a lot it's a lot easier to get in now well because when i started out that you didn't really have tutorials online like when i was even as i studied animation at university in in uwe in bristol and I, I was at this. There was a point in education where they were teaching things like this, but they hadn't really figured out how to teach it. So a lot of my education was kind of tester courses. I did, I did, I did a BTEC tester course, and we were just like, you know, we we were the incubators. And then the years after, they're like, oh, we figured out how to run the course. Now we're going to give it properly to these guys. And it was the same for animation at university. Um, they, they'd bought a suite of computers for 3D graphics for Maya but they didn't have a teacher and it would just be me in there trying to figure out how to do it basically by four, like occasionally going on forums, you know, occasionally getting some responses to posts I'd make about problems, but ultimately just trial and error. There, there weren't like video tutorials you can follow. Um, so now, you know, fast forward now, it, you know, I'm just blown away about how easy it is to have a problem, troubleshoot it straight away, find a video tutorial and just keep moving forward. So I'd be stuck on the same problem for days, um, I guess back in 2006 or seven, but now fast forward to 2020, you know, it's almost like the matrix in comparison to that. You can just download it 
straight into your brain. Yeah, no, it's a good point that you make about literally searching up anything. There's a tutorial in some way, whether even if it's not a video tutorial, it'll be something on a blog, won't it? At the moment, what kind of software are you using? What what do you use mostly? Do you use Maya? No, I used to. I'm out of Maya now. Uh, all the client service work tends to be the classic mix of After Effects and Cinema 4D, um, Octane, Redshift for rendering. Uh, in my just personal practice and for my own development, I've been learning Blender. I've been learning Unity. Um, but then also, you know, as as my my client role has kind of turned into more of a producer, I'm well acquainted with spreadsheets and Google Docs and Gmail, so and Evernote. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm I'm in this place where I've I've embraced being a manager. So, you know, I've uh, I've had to get quite organised and changed how I think about projects. But at the same time, I want to stay creative. So. On the side, I'm trying to learn new pieces of software and um, collaborate with people in different ways. It's kind of an interesting experience, sort of starting a company, isn't it? And just adapting and being um, managing projects and finding the most efficient ways of doing it. I'm interested in the name Dazzle Ship because obviously Dazzle Ship is a is a wartime thing, isn't it? Yeah. So it it comes from. some warships basically at the end end of the first world war uh it was a form of dazzle was a form of camouflage and it was uh created by an artist called norman wilkinson and it was kind of cubist artwork or, or optical illusion artwork and it would hide the ship so from because before they, they this was before they had sonar so they just used periscopes or and they would they would look at the ship from a distance, but they, because it was so, the lines and the perspectives were so confusing, it would kind of mess with their sense of perception and they couldn't figure out how big it was, which way it was facing, where the guns were, and they wouldn't really know how to attack it. So, yeah, it's just this, uh, it's this idea of using art to challenge someone's sense of perception, which then avoids conflict, which I just found interesting that idea has kind of ingrained further into the ethos in the fact that all, all this IP we're developing, the kids' animation stuff or the young adult animation or long-form animation series are all tied around this idea of challenging people's perceptions or, you know, in a world that is increasingly conflicted and polarised, stories have the ability to you know, create empathy and connections between different groups of people. I think I, d- I totally agree. Art does um, change people's p- perspectives. And it's really, I was reading um, Paul Rand's book from Lascaux to uh, Brooklyn the other night. Um, and it, and it explores how that exact, exact thing where um, art can really change people. So from, Dazzle ship, just going back a little bit. Uh, tell me about the Boo Crew. This is this is the series that you created when you were eighteen, right? Yeah, seventeen, eighteen. Uh, I can t- I can talk about it, but with the caveat that it hasn't aged very well, and I'm aware that it hasn't aged very well. But um, but it was it it did serve 
as a very early example of how you can make something, even if it's rubbish, and it get a degree of success. It, it really did inspire me. So, I mean, the larger story around that was, um, yeah, the, the the music magazine that I touched on a while ago and, t- and taking that magazine online and, you know, at that age, learning how to build an audience and get more hits, basically, on, you know, learning SEO, things like that. You know, the term viral marketing wasn't really around back then, but, you know, the magazine had a comic strip that we'd been uh, creating, you know, a bunch of us just basically dressed up in, um, and I did a, did a photo shoot and created an article as an April Fool's that said, we're called the Boo Crew, we're big in Japan, we've released a record, come and sign us, basically. And record labels would ring up the office and attempt to sign us, but we'd have to tell them it was a joke. So off the back of this, we thought it'd be funny to make, you know, we want to get hits for the website. We'll make a little animation around this, about this fake crew. Uh, we did three episodes of that. And by the third episode, uh, a guy called Charlie, who was doing PR for Missy Elliott, got in touch and asked us to create a, I guess a, a part of her marketing campaign was that she wanted to be featured in the cartoon. It was for her single Work It. You heard that song? So the, where she spits backwards. We we created a version of where the Boo Crew steal her backwards flow and they take it to Pirate Radio. And, and anyway, off the back of that episode, there was also a TV channel that started at the same time called Channel U, which was, you know, it, it it wasn't it wasn't very popular back then, but it became a cultural icon in the fact that it launched careers for a lot of the people you see in the charts today. People like Wiley, um, Skepta was on there a bit, but people like Dizzy Rascal was um, he, a lot of his videos were on there. And when it first started, the Boo Crew basically branded it. They did they did the idents. They had a six episode series, and they had a music video that they'd done. So yeah, it just it just achieved a degree of success uh, very quickly, just off the back of going viral on the website, being co-signed by Missy Elliott. Um, but it was terrible. It was you know I, it was me in my bedroom learning Flash. Like it was that level of Flash animation, and that that was the, that was making that was what made me realise that out of everything because I've been doing different things at a young age. I've been doing websites. I've been trying to learn SEO. I've been doing design work. But the animation was the thing where I was like, right, this is this is this is what my passion is. This is what I enjoyed the most. Because I was so lucky to be able to test out all these different, you know, I was just it, it was a bunch of guys that just had a magazine and you know they didn't they didn't really know anything about technology or the internet or anything like that. And they were just kind of like, yeah, do it, do what you want. I mean, I had to kind of also set up their emails for them and create a server and do like I basically did everything digital for them at that time. But they gave me free reign to basically to experiment, um, and so yeah, it was uh, just it's still in this vein of teaching yourself. So I just teach myself. I got to test things out. Realized I love animation. Realized that my animation was actually terrible. And I was like, after a year or so, I was like, right, I'm going to go to university. I'm going to leave here, and I'm just going to study animation because that's my passion. So it served as a great example of having some degree of success because it was on TV, um, but also being self-aware enough to know that it's not that good and you need to learn how to do this properly if you want to. Because we also pitched it to Channel 4. They were vaguely interested, but they at the time they said no. I don't know the reasons around it, but probably because it, it just wasn't, it was quite raw. It was very, it was very niche. Amazing story though. <laughs> That's brilliant. 
and and as I said before, like you just got this kind of entrep- entrepreneurial kind of streak running through you, haven't you? The, you 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 love you love to learn, you love ideas, you love to find ways. I'm I'm imagining of of making those ideas kind of into reality. I guess so. Yeah, I guess I. I also, but you know, when you were sixteen, the term entrepreneur wasn't even kicked around very much. It's it's only become a, a thing now. And even now, I often don't feel that way. I just feel like somebody who gets obsessed with stuff and has to just make it or do it, and and will do that. I think. I think one of the qualities of the people aligned with entrepreneurs is being open-minded. So I think that's that's the quality that I would have. I prefer to focus on the creative aspects of things. Um, and along the lines, along along that journey, I can force myself to do the business side of things and all, all the things that come with that just to get ideas off the ground. So I guess I'm an accidental entrepreneur out of necessity. <laughs> I think many of us are, right? Yeah, it sort yeah, of happens yeah. the way that you think sometimes the way that you do things, maybe not in a conventional way. Um, you could be put in that box. Like a lot of people could be put in that box. Um, and then we'd escape from that box because we don't like it inside the box, right? Yeah, because exactly. And, and also the term entrepreneur has been dragged through the mud a little bit by um, online courses or work from home schemes. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of business, getting into business. Um, would you say there's a formula for a successful business? This is a very general question, but um, what have you found on your journey? Sometimes I think there's more evidence against there being a formula because when you speak to so many different people, they're always like, "There's you know, there's not a formula," you know. Um, maybe there's commonalities. Uh, I mean, if I if I had to think about what my personal formula would be keep learning um trying to have your own measures of success and, and not looking too much externally at, at what's going on around you just focus on the things you want to make and just and just on that and not you know because there's a whole world of anxiety that can come out of living to someone else or society or some other kind of conditions or some other kind of measure like it's, it's all about your own measure um and i guess business wise I don't see it. I don't want it to be this cold, you know, supplier-client relationship. I I really do try to make it a human connection. You know, you're, you're working out how you're, you're entering into a relationship with someone and you're working out the best way to work with that person. And that just comes from knowing them a bit and knowing how they function and then knowing how you can function around them and, and also learning what their problems are and how you can learn to support them and offer value and solve those problems. So, yeah, I'm always trying to just push for more human connection uh, with with everybody, but definitely with the with the clients because that's that's what's enjoyable and that's what makes the projects enjoyable. And then I guess that that makes the business successful. Do you think if you're an animator and perhaps you've had a day job, um, maybe you want to go out on your own? Is there a way? that you've built your brand um, in Dazzleship that you that can kind of teach or help other people learn from that? Are there certain things that people can think about when they're building their own brand? The way I've 
tried to think about it. And I haven't, you know, when you, there might be a disconnect between looking at Dazzleship and how I see this, or at least in my head. But, uh, you know, I like to think of it as, you know, you're offering a service to clients as in their brand. You know, you're trying to tell them what's best for their brand and for the strategy and for them. So within that, it's also good to test that out on yourself and try and create your own brands. Like what, you know, what, what is your own identity? What, 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 how do you communicate the things you want to say? Um, so that's what I'm focusing on lately. I'm just trying to think of dazzle shit. What was a brand? What is his output? What, what are those same techniques that I've, you've learned from working with clients? Like what, how can you apply them to the dazzle ship output? Uh, Cause I, I, you know, I always loved, the the designers republic just because they they were bigger than a, stu- a design studio you know they they were a brand and they they had their own uh well, essentially they were artists in a lot of ways but then the flip side of that is people people uh, criticize them and they just say oh you know it's just it's just design for designers like no one else no one else cares um but you know that's i think that's where that's how you that's how you innovate you create stuff that isn't necessarily for somebody else and then you learn and that's that goes back to the the learning process so yeah i'm always trying to go back into dazzle ship a bit and do you know what kind of self initiated type projects could be or what what things could add an extra dimension to the business or the output so yeah just i guess trying to think how your clients would think and testing that yourself, even though, you know, creating a, a small dazzle ship piece of marketing for social media is, you know, a lot smaller than, you know, a JD Sports marketing campaign or a water aid campaign. It's a lot smaller. It's a much smaller scale. But I think it's just good to test little things up so you understand a bit how they work. Um, so, yeah, think just definitely thinking about yourself as a brand is just a good way is a good place to be in creatively i think and is it important is the location of your business important do you think uh yes and no to me less so but there's client perception yes but i think that's changing because of what's happening in the world and this you know this kind of unprecedented period we're in at the moment so i think people will realize that it's not necessarily you don't need to be in a certain location i mean i i kind of tested this out to the extreme a few years ago in the sense that i you know i realized that collaborators were based all around the world as we got more specialized you know a lot of people were just based in different countries and would you know, use all these tools we have available like Slack and Dropbox and it would just, the operation was remote and there was pretty much just me in an office as quite lonely and isolated. So I figured out a structure and I thought I'd test that structure by making myself go remote for a whole year and use that as an opportunity to travel. Some clients just think you've gone on holiday, you know? So they just think, they just think you're messing around so whatever <laughs> but you know i there were also personal reasons i wanted to do that i wanted to get away and get some perspective and you know live life a little bit more because I'd, I'd spent a few years just so head down trying to develop this business and then i'd got to a point where yeah it was i i just needed to carry on working and focus on what's important but i also just wanted to uh, get a bit of a, a break and a bit and a bit more external perceptions on things so 
I honestly feel that it strengthened relationships with the best clients because first of all, they, they were supportive and they were trusting and yeah, just, you know, going away and then, you know, you're kind of this person that's occasionally changing country, but you're still delivering work for them. I think it increases their trust of you almost. So uh, just by changing location, figure out what's important, strengthen relationships with the clients that understood what uh, the location wasn't as important. And yeah, I'd say definitely come out of it a lot better off and was able to, to focus. So, and it did make me think, you know, that is location important? I mean, probably not as much as people think it is, you know, and, and is, you know, what is office culture? It, you know, is office culture going, going for beers on a Friday? You know, how, how, in some ways, how, how good is that? What is that worth? So I hope that it was, you know, to me, it was a test and now I am back in London and now I have got a studio again. And although I'm doing it in a slightly different way, but I, I do hope this period makes people realize that you know the the you know london is prestigious but it doesn't necessarily mean that all the best talent is in london you know you want to be access to the best talent and the best talent is global it, it shouldn't be location specific it should be it should be talent specific i think yeah um i think office culture will be hugely changed after this period massively and you know, there'll be uh obviously a huge amount of people more people working from home that will change company culture will change office um, occupation and there'll be loads of um, redundant buildings all over the place like looking for tenants i expect at some point and you i i like it um your blog post on uh, on medium where you talk about the last point um, that you you talk about all the things that you did, and then the last point was uh, absolutely no hashtag digital nomad stroke living my best life uh, <laughs> yeah. social media posts or whatever. I like that. Yeah, I think because that's that's the you know as well as having this perception that if you go away and you work remotely, you're messing around. There's also the danger of you know, it, it is called, in some ways the term digital nomad is useful for, you know, going on certain websites that talk about how to work remotely. But the term digital nomad is another one that's been tainted in some ways because, you know, it's, 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 there's half the people who are digital nomads are, you know, also, you know, doing the work from home schemes or some kind of thing, or, or, or they're just posting Instagram about how great their lifestyle is and they're working off the beach with a laptop. But it, it's not like that. It's not It's not even possible to use a laptop on the beach. Have you ever tried? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, you it's can't see a thing, can you? You can't see a thing. It's, it's too hot. The sand. Yeah, it's, in your ports. The sand in my ports. So I just can't handle that. Exactly. It's impractical. So it's, it's a myth I just wanted to dispel. <laughs> Um, okay, you. so we're moving into the scrub forward round, right? So if you don't want to answer this, you just say scrub. Um, <laughs> video nasty. What's the worst? So this is like a quick fire round, okay? Quick fire, okay. Video nasty. What's the worst habit you see people practice in filmmaking or animation? I guess following trends or do it, doing stuff that looks cool but might not necessarily be focused on results. Okay, VR, AR, or mixed R? 
do you have to choose? They're kind of all the same, aren't they? Is, is there? So I mean, to me, they're, they're not the same. But the they, well, they're all real time. It's just different hardware, right? To me, it's uh, to me, it feels the same. It's you know, VR is you you, you build a world within real time fully. AI mix it with some kind of camera or VR mixed reality would have some kind of technology that places that real time within a world. So it's just, it's just a hardware difference, right? It's, and are you exploring that? Yes. That's, that's been one of my targets during lockdown is to fully explore the live action stuff. Yeah. It's really, really exciting. I do think, uh, I think if you had to think about the biggest signal as to why it's exciting, it's, it, it was that Travis Scott concert in, in Fortnite. Um, that I think that says a lot about how about games and music and how people are prepared to consume music through games. Um, definitely exploring that and and exploring that anyway, just because we're exploring the creative development on stories uh, and the real time story aspect is 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 definitely exciting. Cool, that is exciting. I want to hear more. Um, okay, so what techniques and software? Um, agnostic, <laughs> not not relying too much on techniques or software. Focus, yeah, guess agnostic or or, or scrub. <laughs> scrub is cool. Okay, um, play, pause, stop. One thing you always do, one thing you sometimes do, and one thing you should never do. I'm always trying my best to ask for feedback. And that could be from anyone, but we're definitely more so now at the ends of projects or even if not projects, just, just interactions about things, just definitely trying to get external points of reference that I can learn from. Uh, a thing I sometimes do, I but I should probably do more when it comes to milestones, celebrating milestones. I sometimes celebrate milestones. Apparently, I need to celebrate more milestones. I need to take a step back and do that more one thing you should never do i guess quit <laughs> just don't quit you've got to keep going haven't you <laughs> give us one secret animation tip I, well at the moment i'm learning blender and i think that's that's uh i will i wasn't I, di- I didn't take notice of it i just thought you know it's a free program anyone can use it but it's actually really powerful and then when you get into it that the, there's a really big community because it's free so many people contribute to it um, the program's really light and it loads quite fast because there's there's less weighing it down. Uh, it's quite relaxing to model in it. And yeah, it, I, I don't know why I'd wrote it off for all these years, but it's yeah, it feels like a secret tip. It feels like it's an easy way to do a lot of things. So it's a boring one, but Blender. <laughs> you know what? That's not boring. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, I think probably a lot of people have probably got the same opinion. Um, really? it's, it, yeah. well I guess it's you know it's when do you value something is it because something costs something because there's a value attached to it or is is um, you know do, do free things seem cheaper or seem um, less valuable mm. what's mm. next for animation well I, th- I think definitely what we touched on before real time that's why I'm so keen to to learn more about it and understand the, the, the technical Im- implications from from a you know animation perspective, um, you know we, we're we've we've just entered this phase where we're consuming entertainment faster. So I think there's 
definitely a good time to be developing more longer form ideas. And again, that's funny I should say that because that's also what I'm coincidentally doing. Um, but yeah, and, and just stories. Just stories are increasingly important and adding narrative to things. And again, why do I feel stories important? And that links back to the ethos of Dazzleship and how, you know, it, it is fair to say the world is becoming more polarised. So if there's ways that stories can create more empathy, I just think that's, you know, if you have to think of a mission that's it's like a really hard problem to solve that can give you that North Star to focus on, that just, I know it feels like a, a bold thing to say, but it, just thinking in that way sometimes just helps me keep moving forward, basically. So yeah, just animation is favourable over live action, you know, and, and it's more needed if it's going to be in the virtual context. I think it's it's incredibly exciting. It's, it's it's a great time for animation. So what's next? Who knows? But it's definitely it's it's looking pretty bright. I reckon. One influence, one productivity tip, and one book. Uh, well, book definitely War of Art because that that leads into productivity and procrastination, how to focus on creative um, projects. And you can Product- read it in a in an hour a couple of hours can't you yeah 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 it's it's incredibly short i mean yeah it's it's a bible it's referenced a lot everyone everyone uh, you know swears by it so productivity tip for me it, a big part of productivity was realizing you know the importance of health and nutrition which is gets boring but yeah it definitely affects your like your mental focus in a lot of ways so there there are a lot of in order to develop and learn the things I want to do. I found that I actually had to change a lot of lifestyle things to get to a place where I could sit down and focus and engage and be more productive. Um, so yeah, just understanding that like exercise, like exercising well, and, and this might be personal. It's not necessarily, some people can just not do that and still function. I don't know how, but for some reason it's about knowing how yourself, your own personal self is wired. And I realized that I'm just wired in a certain way where if I want to opt really you know, perform to the level that I want to perform, I need to be optimized. I need, I need to be, uh, you know, that's like mentally in terms of, you know, mindfulness or taking, taking, analyzing stress and making sure you're not stressed, but also diet, nutrition, lifestyle. And then finally you can be productive and focused. It kind of all comes together. One influence. The biggest influence was, um, you know, just being obsessed by things, you know, just getting really obsessed by things and allowing yourself to be obsessed by things because they have so many, there's so much influence everywhere. But I think, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't take the time to get into things. I mean, you know, part of the reason I'm here doing certain things is because when I was 16 years old, I was obsessed by pirate radio, you know, and, and not many people were at that age, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really cool. The hardly really people have heard of it. And that le- led me to create a music website that led me to learn about how different music cultures form. And then, you know, that, and there's a way of thinking behind the way of some of these things form. It's, um, it's, you know, there's just the fact you have pirate radio, just the fact you, you know, people, off their own back would take big risks to broadcast a music they like to countless people. And there's all kinds of stories like that with, within music. You know, there's, there's a story 
about a guy called David Mancuso who started the Loft and you know uh, which is a club in New York in the 60s and you know he's basically the origin story for disco and house and he was just a guy that he didn't really know why but he just followed his obsession and his obsession was social progress he wanted to bring people together on a dance floor and he had the same mentality as Pipe Radio. He wasn't doing something to get big or to get popular. He was just doing something because inherently he was obsessed and he wanted to solve some kind of problem and it led him on this journey. You're not necessarily chasing things that society tells you to chase. You're just following your own intuition and following your own obsessions. Well, that, yeah, it's really fascinating to to find out those kind of different layers of your sort of learning journey um and finally what's your vision for the future um for you and dazzleship definitely want to you know expand what we're doing with the client service work because you know that i feel like the portfolio is in a place where it's you know I, i'm i'm happy I, I like i like all the clients we've had the honor of working with we've we've done some stuff for positive causes like the waterway stuff, which has been interesting to learn about that. So there's there, within that, there's, you know, how do you communicate complex things in a simplified way? And there's a formula for that. And I think that we could do more to charities or good causes to apply that way of thinking. Uh, you know, drone racing, that was essentially taking something that people hadn't heard of and um, giving it a visual language. I think there's more you can do with that in terms of esports clients and, you know, it'd be good to work with more of them. So the, I think the there's a, just a good foundation now to expand on the client service work and work with more interesting th- uh, clients with the formula we've, we've developed. For, you know, the past few years, there's been a lot of creative development that's happened behind the scenes. I haven't talked to too many people about it. I've wanted to keep it quite protected and nurtured. Um but it comes down to telling stories through long form animation and those stories are at different levels, you know, different stages of completion and different age ranges from preschool to young adult. But some of them are just incredibly exciting that, you know, the reason that I'm putting so much energy into them, because there's a lot of work you have to do to get stuff off the ground. You have to do a lot of, talking to people, meeting people, going to conferences, following up with people, pushing things along. It's, you know, I'm doing a lot of groundwork, more groundwork than I've ever done in, in my life for something that might not even happen. But that that's just a small, it's a passion. And it's, it's passion because some of these stories I feel so strongly about. I feel so strongly about trying to communicate to more people because I think there's some really important information there that other people could relate to or get inspired by. And either in 10 years, we might listen to this podcast and be like, oh, that never happened. Or, wow, that happens. <laughs> that, that's what he was talking about. That's the thing he was talking about. So. I, think it, I think it will happen. <laughs> Thank you. I hope it will. <laughs> um, it will. It will. And, yeah, and, and how, do you, how do people connect with you? I see that you have um, – tell me about your Wikipedia page, your profile. There were a few books, because there's a lot of stuff I've done outside of animation, although I'm an animator. So there were a few books that I was interviewed for that were around the the, the work I did for the music website. So there was a book by Hattie Collins called This Is Grime, 
where she interviewed everyone from the grime scene. This website was quite prominent in the early grime scene. So, and, you know, now you have people like Wiley who argue on Twitter and it goes to the Metro. Before, he used to argue on our website with people. So there were all these like small cultural movements that I was lucky enough to be a part of from a young age. But that was just a way to consolidate all these different things and, and you know, ha- put them into a, a place of reference. Oh, uh, no, yeah. So how, how do people connect with you if they want to, if you want people to connect with you? Yeah, please do. I'm always open, always, always open to chat or connect with anyone. I love connecting with people. Um, social media for Dazzleship on Instagram is at Dazzleship or Dazzleship.com on the internet. Uh, my personal Instagram is Vector Meldrew, like Victor Meldrew from One Foot in the Grave, but Vector. Uh, and that's just where I post my own personal artwork and things like that. Um, so yeah, please, please do connect. Cool. Well, it's been, I knew it was going to be a good interview. Um, and it has been really fascinating and really insightful. So thanks, Lex, for joining me on Video Talks. Um, hopefully it's been all right. Oh, it's been great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's, it's been great to talk about all this stuff. Cool. Brilliant. Well, hopefully we'll catch up um, in a while when all the big uh, projects that you're working on have come to fruition. And um, we'll, we will do that retrospective look great yeah that'd be great to do cool all right take care and uh um uh, some kind of sign-off statement (laughs) (laughs) play the theme song theme song so no theme song but just uh me saying thanks lex for a great interview uh if you like the show notes for that interview and with all the links um for everything that we talked about and some examples of Lex's work, then just go to videotalks.co forward slash Lex and you'll find it there. As ever, thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate it, as always. Um, If you haven't already subscribed, please hit subscribe so we could keep these episodes coming in. And if you're a creator, remember that we're doing the uh, one minute creator pitch in the middle of the episodes coming up. So get your project heard but for now all that's left to say is uh see you on the next video talks cheers